the Alienation version 2.0. I am Dan. This is episode 226. Nick's here. What's up? Jesse is gone. Dun, dun, dun. Justin is gone. Dun, 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 dun. So that means that we could just make fun of those guys all show long. Let's do it. That's what this show is going to be dedicated to, making fun of those two. Yep. I don't know, man. So I don't know what they're doing, but uh, obviously they don't know where their priorities are. Actually, I think uh, Justin, his birthday was yesterday. Yeah, so it was. He's like, uh, what, 13, 14 now? Yep. Acts like it. With a beard of a 50-year-old. <laughs> beard of a 50-year-old. Yeah. So he's off with his family. And I think yeah. Jesse's also got some obligations. with his. Uh, who knows? Who knows what he's doing. Yeah, Justin took off on... Um, he was talking about work was just so miserable and horrible that finally he was like, that's it. I'm leaving. We're out. Yep, we're out. <laughs> Did he take a heli with him? I think he took the 380 oh, with yeah. him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's got that same setup like I do with the bag and the transmitter and the bag and that whole deal. And I saw one of those uh, SAB bags a couple days ago. Yeah? You like it? Yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, the guy who had it had pretty much everything he needed to go flying in it, you know, heli and pack, radio. Or, Which size did you see? The 381? I think it was the 380 bag, but what did he, he had a Gowie X3 in it. Is that, oh, yeah. is that sacrilege? Mm-hmm. Is that? No, nah, that's good, that right? No, they're, they're really, really handy. I mean, I would recommend one to, I don't care what you fly. I wish they did kind of. I, I wish they did with the bigger ones, like the five seventy. I wish that they would do a bag for the five seventy that had like the transmitter and the battery spot in there, because I think that's what makes the three eighty bag so cool. Yeah, is being able to pack that all in there. But it says SAB on it. Yeah, it's awesome. Is it? Is it awesomeness? Yeah. It is. It is the epicness of awesomeness. The epicness. Epicness of awesomeness. <laughs> it even got- That's right. Aye. Huh? So, did you do anything fun this week? Um, did I fly? God, dude, it seems like this week was really. Yeah, I got out and flew last weekend. Absolutely, I did. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's right. It was good. It was actually really good. I'm having some tail issues. I don't know what I got going on. One of the seven hundreds is being a little janky. I don't know. It just kind of started, and then it it's one of those. So here's the deal. And this is this is going to be good and bad at the same time. I don't have problems very often, but I'm getting really lazy about it. <laughs> so the, the 570s, just, it's ridiculous. It really is. It, it's like the... I mean, no question. In all of my years in the hobby, it is the most cut and dry, reliable, flies the best, flies the same every flight, flight after flight. I mean, out of all of them. And I've had some great helicopters. So having that, when <laughs> when you have a problem with another one, there's not a lot of dedication to want to figure it out at that time. Which is good, though, too, because it keeps the flight count up. I'm just like, oop, starting to act weird. Shelf it. <laughs> grab the 570. <laughs> and, you know, it's a darn good thing because we had, um, 
So the the battery review thing, you know, yeah. I've got the I've got the pulse pack sitting there. I've got the venom pack sitting there. I'm waiting. I believe any day um, for the AGA pack. Uh, Rev Electrics has one on the way, and then OptiPower they were busy and they're like, "Whoa, hey, totally missed that email. Sorry about that." So now they're sending one over. So this is turning into something pretty big. Yeah. I, I'm really glad that I just have a feeling, and I shouldn't say I'm really glad. You know, with the Nitro coming, Uh I feel like it's going to be a 570 and Nitro year, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm kind of feeling bad for the the 700s. Because, I mean, I'm going to be banging out the flights with the 570, and then you know I'm going to be flying that Nitro. So... uh, I don't know, man. I mean, it's it's not a bad thing. I'm actually tempted on converting one of the 700s to a 770. Like, just because. I mean, no no reason whatsoever other than to fill the, I to can... To fill that gap. Yeah, to fill the gap. Absolutely. I mean, it might see one flight, uh, you know, a day out at the field. But... Why not? I would rather do that. I mean, honestly, I don't like having helis just just sit there. I would much rather have a, a 770 sitting there and do one flight every Saturday or Sunday that I go out to the field with it than have that second 700 sitting there that just sees no stick time at all. To yeah. me, that's just not right. Yeah. So, yeah, this week I I am going to do a little bit of tinkering tonight and see if I can't uh, look that over. I should be able to get out tomorrow a little bit. Um, bump controllers all back, good to go. Man, I've been doing, again, just digging a little bit more into that. I'm getting prepped for the, like, stage one of the battery review, which is the break-in process. And that's why I'm trying to wait till they all get here to do that. Justin, I believe, although I'll actually believe it when I physically see it in my hands, I think uh, the battery discharger deal that he's working on. I saw pictures I of think it. That's, I think it's done. Like, I think he just needs to ship it to me. <laughs> so um, that's going to be really cool because I'm going to be able to use that. I was having a real hard time. Like, how do I use my charger to break them in? Do I do this or do I do that? And there's just so many different ways. But it's like, man, he put so much effort into building that because he actually sent me a message that is like, if you don't use this semi-regularly, I'm going to stab you in the eye and take it back. Because <laughs> he put so much, you know. It looks, it's it like looks the, great. Oh, dude, it's the way pimped out, tricked out version. I mean, it's got like a ammeter display on the front and a voltmeter. It's nuts, mm-hmm. absolutely nuts. So I think that's what I'm going to do. So, uh, Justin, <clears throat> I'm waiting for that so I can uh, so I can get this started. But yeah, other than that, uh, let's see. You know, not too much. I got. Um, I need to swap out. I got the 60 amp uh, hobby wing to put in. Uh, to put in my 380, uh, just kind of getting all prepped up for summer. So that needs to get put in there. Past that, I'm I'm ready for spring, you know. Last week wasn't the greatest flying. It was kind of meh, but it was, it was still flying. I am, I know all of you guys are going to be like, dude, whatever. 
We just don't even want to hear it. But I'm going to be on. I am very happy with where my flying is at. Like, very happy. So, uh, surprised. I don't feel like I necessarily earned it. But flying through the winter, you know, even if it wasn't crazy consistently, really did make a big difference. Because I went right out the, um, the other day, last weekend, and my first flight on the 570 was probably one of one of the smoothest and most uh, flowy <laughs> and best flights that I've flown in, I would probably say, like a year. It, it was just, it felt amazing. Absolutely amazing. Everything was clicking. I've definitely dropped off a little bit, like on my Pyro TikToks. Um, I had those pretty dialed, and they're, yeah. I mean, I can keep them going, but they're moving around a little bit more than I would like. But as far as just my, you know, my overall flow, uh, it's it is it's actually progressed, which I'm really really happy about. Dan, I think you are going to see. You know, you you of all people always made the comment that just you love that style. Yes. You always said that. Well, I think I have upped it to the next level. Well, especially with this whole funnel thing. You know, like that's I go ahead before you go on. Uh, one thing I will say, and I hadn't mentioned it yet. Um, three weeks ago, I was out flying with you because I was out in Washington, right? Mm-hmm. And I actually noticed that I didn't. I didn't really have I in my mind I wasn't thinking wow he's really progressed uh from last year but I was thinking holy shit it's like he didn't really skip a beat from last year yeah and that was I would say that weekend was about the weekend where my comfort level at the beginning of the day it wasn't quite there but at the end of the day that was like that I feel like that was that day flying where you're now back. Yeah. So so you didn't get to quite see it, but then my flying since then has now been moving forward again. That's because I got um I got the nose down. Uh let's see. Nose down counterclockwise funnels pretty I would say about 85% down. Like I can move them around now. Uh, Jesse actually saw him last weekend and they were hanging, they were hanging about three feet off the deck, moving them around left and right and doing these kind of half elevator roll transition Mobius type deals. Oh, uh, and I was just feeling it like, uh, it felt great. <laughs> and, and those are really like my flying style, being able to mold those funnels into, you know, kind of deck deck work. That's my version of deck work. It's not the smack deck work. It's down low, but it's lots of kind of cyclic flow type things. And it Intentional was Intentional 3D. Yeah, it was. It, it, and it's, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that other moves aren't intentional. But this looks, it's just, it just looks intentional. I mean, look, the, the comparison in my mind is, and not necessarily just your style of flying, but like Bobby Watts, you know? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, if I, if someone said to me, you had to choose for the rest of your life, Dan, you could only watch one style of flying and your choices are Tariq Alsade or Bobby Watts or your style of flying. Definitely. I, I, dude, watching Tariq fly almost gives me vertigo, right? 
It's it's yeah, just it's not. I mean, fast. it's obviously talented. I mean, the guy's got a great huge skill, right? But it's it's not really appealing to me. You know, it's it's fun watching someone fly that's just like a technician. Yes, because you can't you can't hide errors when you slow it down. That's the thing, and so you you know you can really see every last little thing. And when when someone just totally locks something in when it's low and kind of slower and you see that it's done with like dead on center and such precision. Right. It, you can, it really puts it in a context like, oh, holy crap, I can't even hover in place. How are they, <laughs> you know? Yeah. I can't even hover that good in place. How are they doing that maneuver so locked in and flawless? Yeah. And, and that goes to both styles because Tariq does fly with a surgical like precision. There, there's no, oh, yeah. there's no question there. And, and it's it's incredibly talented flying skill, but you know it's like it's I don't know it's it's just more pleasing to watch big flowy movements, you know, big purposeful flowy movements, you know. I I, I mm-hmm. just enjoy that much better. Yeah, that's all. Not saying Trick sucks because obviously he doesn't. <laughs> so no, don't read too much <laughs> into that. Fly the crap out of me. Well, that's for sure. Guy just breaks shit all the time if you want to do. Yeah. No, it's fun though. I'm 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 ready. I'm right there. I'm excited. I feel like my gear's good. I'm a little uh, I'm a little nervous about coming up because I feel like I spent all this time over winter getting everything all dialed in. And I feel like I'm going to get bum rushed here pretty quick. Like right about when the weather starts getting good, it's going to be like, "Oh, this is here. Oh, that's here." And I got to like start all over. You know, I wasn't I knew the nitro was coming. We've known it's been coming for a while, but we didn't know when. And as you know, as the team got, it's like, oh, hello, obviously I'm going to get one. It's kind of like, dude, I just can I have it now so I can have time to build just it, send it, get a motor, break it in, that sort of a thing. So that when those awesome days come, it's ready to go like fly. Yeah. Not tune, not tweak, not get used to or any of that. So it's kind of tough. And then. Then this whole 650, you know, the Black Thunder. Yeah, yeah, I have to say it like that because it's just always going to be the Black Thunder. Uh, You know, then where does this fit into it? Does it? And then I found out more information where then it makes me go, I I had zero intentions of getting it. Like none. Zip, nada. (laughs) This, this, I, many O-Techs were like, I don't get it. Like, I don't. 650 what I don't I don't get it but then I found out that they're doing this the stretch kits with them so like the nitro and we're going to talk about this in the news but the nitro comes out it's like a 650 right okay and same with the same with the black thunder it's a 650 but you can buy 700 booms for them so it's so, so it's a lighter seven hundred. Bingo! What does Nick absolutely love? Light ass seven hundreds. Now you're gonna have three seven hundreds. Well, so that's where it was like, oh come on! <laughs> I mean, this just totally jacked my whole plan up. So now I, I mean, I seriously think I'm gonna get one because I. Dude, I want that like big time. 
It's like 630 frame size, but I can run the longer blades. It's like tw- just a like a 12S perfect machine. And that's where the 700 competition just dominates because you cannot, like you just put as much power to that thing as you want. Mm-hmm. 14S, whatever, crazy. That's what it's known for. But this one's a, uh, on the lighter end. And, uh, you know, it's it's not going to be like a 14S machine. But for someone like me who wants it light, low disc loading, you know, some 12S, 5,000, 30Cs, uh, I'll probably put like the Hobbywing 130 in there, you know, whereas I run the 160s in my other ones. Mm-hmm. Dude, I could make this thing light. Bro, that's what I like. <laughs> this is, they're killing that's me. That's cool, bro. Yeah, they're killing me. How am I supposed to do this? Start selling drugs. I can't take it. I know. I'm going to have to here pretty quick. So, I don't know. That's why I'm thinking 770 conversion on one. Maybe get the Black Thunder. And then have the Black Nitro. And then the 570. And, and, you know, I might have to, like, almost, like, shelf a 700 comp use it as a backup machine but then just do like the 570 the nitro and the six i don't know first world problems right (laughs) i sound for the record i just realized how much of an absolute like (laughs) fanboy totally just posered out pathetic human i sounded right there so yes for everyone that was thinking it I recognize it. You embrace it. You own it. Yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's cool. That's uh, that's cool. I. Well, uh, I mean, everyone's got problems, right? Yeah, they're just different. Indeed, <laughs> and they're all subjective. In nature, yes. So that's right. Did that wrap your week up? Yeah, I think so. We all know crashing sucks, but the only thing worse than crashing is missing something during the repair and watching it pile right back in. Well, guess what? The greatness that is the Soco Heli tool can save you time and from making a costly mistake during your diagnostic process. Simply slap on the Soco Heli tool after a crash and you can check your main shaft, spindle shaft, servo horn teeth, and servo gears without even removing the head from the heli. That simple five-minute check can save you hundreds and hundreds of dollars and get you more stick time in the long run. So remember, if you want your equipment to be reliable, then you have to be a good heli mechanic. And if you want to be a good heli mechanic, you have to have good tools. Soko Heli Tools. Because quality and precision is worth it. Get your Soko Heli tools at www.socohelitools.com. So, yeah, I went flying last weekend. And? Um, you know, it's funny you should mention how you've got the two 700s and you're, you know, you're considering switching one to something else, not necessarily buying a new heli, but swapping it, changing it. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking I might get rid of one of my gassers. What? Dude, 
all my clothes. Strangle you. I, look, man. Okay, so here, here, here's here's why, and it's not written in stone. And I, okay, so I hate you forever. <laughs> I've got the DRM motors. I got the three hundred and the two seventy five. Right. And you also mentioned how you're just kind of a little bit lazy with some of the stuff that you need to do. Yeah. Right. So, okay. The governor on the 275 is working flawlessly. Stator Gator is just doing its thing. And I'm able to start the tuning and I'm really developing a relationship with that helicopter. Yeah. You know? So I go to fly the 300 because I have to, I have to fly it last weekend. I had to fly it because I had to keep alternating, uh, flights because mm-hmm. I was, you know, doing a very specific routine of break-in. So in this gallon through each of them so far process, I just, it's like, uh, well, gotta go fly, gotta fly the 300. And then it's like. Oh, sweet. I get to fly the 270, right? Just get through this 300 flight. Then you can go fly the 270, right? 275, whatever, whatever. It says 270 on the sticker, but I think it's a 275. And it's, it's not, I don't think anything other than (laughs) I just haven't been able to bring myself to crawl into the trailer after a long day's work to address this governor issue, right? So it's keeping me from really kind of starting the tuning process on the 300 because I don't know the head speed that the 300 is flying. And I tried all that shit last week that we talked about, you know, other than mm-hmm. taking it out. I I messed with the governor configuration. No matter what it's I- It's a stator gator problem. It is. You know, Carrie and I have been talking about it and we're pretty sure that's what it is. But what he wants me to do is swap the stator gator out of the 275 tried in the 300. Bah. And I'm just like, bah. at first I'm like, oh yeah, shit, I can do that. Sure. <laughs> and I'm driving home from work and I'm thinking to myself, what? No, huh. you don't mess with the good one. <laughs> the good one's flying. I'm tuning. Yeah. It. It's, I, I, you know, I, I've, uh, I found a local distributor for the Amsoil uh, Saber Oil. So I get it, you know, I can buy it here locally now. Everything's uh, coming together. I don't want to not have that machine flying, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. So the other solution is to bite the bullet and buy another one. That's another option. Is the, the third option, which I just haven't got myself to do yet, and it's not, I don't think, a big deal, is to go ahead and put you know, a traditional hall sensor, um, uh, governor sensor in there, right? Yeah, put a magnet in the main gear. Yeah, that's that's the option to me. Yeah, I, I think you're right. But it goes along that line of, if you don't go out and do it after work, come Saturday and Sunday, when you're at the field, chances are it's not going to get done, right? Yeah, but... Dude, it's too, okay. I I hear you, and I get it, right? But I think it's way too early in the season to be judging that yet. Yeah. And the biggest contributing factor here is you are dealing with fuel models. We're not talking about 
two seven hundred electrics, which I think, as we could both agree, are going to be way less potentially problematic. Is that fair? Yes. So, you know, you could be out at the field and you could just not have that love for the 300 and be just like, you know what, man, it's broken. I'm shelving it like I'm good, right? It's different if you're flying two 700 electrics because you could potentially go uh, 100 flights, 200 flights without even needing or wanting to touch that other one. That's not the case with a fuel model. And so, you know, you go out to the field and all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap, well, this one's doing this. The muffler came loose or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. All those wonderful things that happen with them. I lost a, a, you know, a boom support, obviously not in this case, but you, you get what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, well, I, I want to fly my gasser. Like I was having fun. I want to, yeah, I want to hear it. I want to fly fuel. And then the other one is right there. Now, give yourself some time to, you know, swap it over. If that thing, if the sensor was swapped over, I think you would be in a completely different boat. I agree. I, I agree completely. Because, like, I, I had that this last weekend, right? I've been fly. I have not. So I put a maiden flight to make sure that it didn't fall apart and a remade. And I do my yearly remade after I go through it on my second 700. One flight, right? All this year, I hadn't touched it. So I'm out there flying the other 700, flying it, flying it. All of a sudden, it has a problem. That other 700, which I had no zero ambition, you know, to want to go fly, like none whatsoever, was now all of a sudden kind of like my best friend. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, oh, hey, Bill, good to see you. You want to come out and play a little bit? Now, I only put one flight on it, you know, because it was kind of getting toward the end of the day or whatever. But the point is that it, it you can have that feeling about it when, it when you're not using it. But God, the second that you don't have what you love to fly, it's now the greatest thing out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I get it. I um, but there's other helis that I'm interested in, in particular the Goblin Nitro, and okay, you know I, um, I I'm at this point I'm pretty sure that I'm going to sell the Forza, right? Okay, uh, which then goes I've got everything I need. All I need to do is pick up the airframe for the uh for the Nitro. Got everything in house, so there's no. Uh, that's not a big project. I mean, other than just building it. So I'll have the nitro, right? But I don't know. I, I, I what are you gonna fly at work? Um, three eighty. Yeah. Eventually. <laughs> uh, I did, dude. I did put some flights in on the uh, oxy. And, uh, yeah, still don't, you know, care. But I mean, okay, so answer me this. Here's more devil's advocate. You went through the 500. Yes. And didn't care for it. I flew the shit out of that thing, though. You did. You actually did. But you said you never liked it. No, I never really, I I didn't, uh, didn't like it as really strong. Um, 
It didn't scratch exactly. The itch. It just didn't speak to me. You were putting in a flight count. Yes, but you didn't love it. Right. Is that fair? That's fair. Okay. So what makes you think that the that a three eighty is going to do it that doesn't. for you? It doesn't. But how do I know until I try? All right. All right. So here's what I think. I think since you've got a whole bunch of servos, fly barless units, that whole deal, right? Mm-hmm. I really think that you should consider a 570 for your work, Heli. <sighs> because, just hear me out. You're like, I a, think that, you're like a damn crack dealer, dude. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. Okay, I got, I got, okay. Hold on. Okay, okay, okay. No, I think that it will actually scratch the big heli itch. I really do because it does for me. Like, I can go out there and fly it. <sighs> and with the exception of autos, I don't, like, I don't feel any different when I'm doing any of the other maneuvers. So, You're killing me, Smalls. I kind of feel like that's that's would be something that you could fly at work, right? Grab a couple packs for it, uh, you know, have three, four packs, bang some flights out right after work before you go home or go out at lunch or whatever, and that would scratch that itch. If you were to have that and do a nitro and a gasser, I feel like you'd be good. I feel like then you could do without a 700 electric. But I'm telling you, I I hear you. I'm a fuel guy at heart. I get it. But there, it's all well and good till stuff starts going bad. And you have (laughs) those weeks and those months where you're just like, screw this fuel shit. But you know... I've said it many times, looking back onto what I perceive as the best progression and fun time that I had in the hobby is when I was flying two of the same machines. Yeah, no, that's fair. Absolutely. I mean. Absolutely. Uh, but you do have a lot of, you know, if we're, if we're going to put Dan on a, on a training regiment, right? If we're going to get Dan back. I mean, get Dan back to where you were come midsummer. Flying skill wise, you, there's going to be two different types of flying that you're going to need to do. You are going to need to practice. Yes, and that I mean that's the truth. Go out there with a plan and practice. And I can personally tell you there is no better model than the 574. That period, end of story. To go out there and just practice. Now it might not scratch that. It's not a fuel model or whatever, but if you can get in the habit of flying that, you know, at work all the time. Okay, here we go. Then you don't even have to touch it on the weekends. Go out, fly the nitro, fly the gasser, have a great time. You're evil. You're pure evil. I don't think the 380 is going to do it for you. You don't think so? I just don't. I, re- I really don't. Oh. I mean, I, I love it because I think it's a hoot. But in no situation Dude, other like than three weeks ago, you were like, "Ah, oh, you need to get a 380. Why? Because we are comparing it against that little mosquito That's thing true. you're flying. That's true. We were. I mean, yeah, compared to the Oxy, I told you flat out, you're going to hate this damn thing. Because <laughs> I know you. And, I, and with Dan, 
<laughs> with Dan, bigger is better, right? <laughs> That's true. End of story. But there really is something to be said about um, consistency, reliability, no problem, and mi- you know, and minimum cost. Yeah. Right. And you can take you can take a five seventy, throw it out there at like twenty one hundred RPM, dude. It is so smooth, so quiet. And you can sit out there and get six minute long flight times, pack after pack, and just work on all of that proficiency stuff and not be going through, you know, then go out to the field on the weekend and not go, holy crap, I burned through a gallon of nitro. You know what I mean? Yeah. And got to fly my gasser. I think what I think it's actually going to do, I think it's going to allow you to have more fun on the weekends. With the with the nitro and with the gasser, because you're gonna feel more comfortable flying them, and that's otherwise a- you're gonna go out to the field and be like, okay, <laughs> I mean you're nervous as shit flying them right now, right? Well, okay, so actually that's kind of what I wanted to go into next. Now that we've kind of talked about that, and I hear you, and I hear what you're saying, and and I'll and I you know I'll put all, I'll I'll consider all that, but let's let's go back to last weekend because. Um, you know, I was, I'm actually, I was actually getting to the end of the break-in and I'm like, oh, well, there goes my excuses, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I, you know, although I did fly, (laughs) I was pretty disappointed. Um, and it had nothing to do with, well, maybe, well, Maybe it was a little bit to do with the 300 not flying very well. But, I mean, I was, dude, I was getting that 275. Dude, I was getting that thing. I was tweaking the V control. I was, you know, working on the tune. I was leaning shit out. I was feeling it kind of, you know, come to life. And overall, I was disappointed because I was sitting there and I'm going, just do it. You know you can what, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't even care what you're talking about. A circuit, a figure eight, just fucking do it. And every time. <laughs> Not up, buttercup. <laughs> and every time I would get in, you know, I would lift off and I would put it, put it into position like I was going to go around and just do a simple circuit. I was, I would get, you know, 30, 40 yards away from me and I'd like, oh, hit the brakes. And I was just, I was like, what, dude, seriously, what is, what is wrong with you? Because. I know I can do that stuff. You know, I know I can do all that. And it just, I couldn't make it happen. And it gave me some resolve to, and hope we're going to see how it worked, but it gave me some resolve uh, to fire up the sim. Yeah. Um, pretty much, I bet you I simmed this week. I bet you I put five hours on the sim this week. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was showing my brain that my fingers do know how to do this. Oh yeah. And um, I'm hoping <laughs> that tomorrow I'm, I've kind of, I think I'm kind of at that point now where tomorrow I just, I just got to let go and, and let it happen because I actually was considering uh, one of my planker buddies showed up. Uh, just a bullshit. And I asked him, I said, man, do you got a, 
because I remember what, what my big breakthrough back when I first started was when I, I bought a plane, right? Mm-hmm. And I've told that story a few times. And I was thinking to myself, well, maybe that's what I need to do. Not necessarily buy one, but find somebody that's got one I can use. And so we made arrangements. I'm going to, he's going to bring it out tomorrow. But I'm pretty sure that, and this is that, that mental hurdle that, that I am currently at because I hope to show up and at Othello and meet that goal of 10 flights at a fun fly, which I rarely do. Right. Mm -hmm. But I want to fly. I don't want to just not fly. (laughs) I don't want to just sit there and hover. Right. It's, it's a, it's a weird, strange place that, that I'm in right now with this because I mean, I can feel the excitement for the hobby. It's definitely back. There's no question. I mean, I, I just, I'm finding myself thinking about it all the time again um, and making plans to figure out how I can get more flying in at work, that kind of shit, stuff that I hadn't done in a long time. But now there's just this mental hurdle that I'm hoping <laughs> tomorrow brings, uh, brings me some satisfaction. We'll see that that's the big one for me right now. It's not, it's, yeah. it's not a comfortable place. To be honest with you, because I'm, but it's so close. It is to being comfortable. I mean, I I wasn't. I don't know how to explain it because I I wasn't nervous. I mean, I'm not like get. It wasn't like a shaky nervous like. Uh, but it was just literally. I mean, I'm just doing what I'm doing, and I go to take off, and it's just like my head just says hit the brakes. There's no shaky like. Oh man, it's just. Stop. Just my brain just says fucking stop. You know? <laughs> yeah. And it's not a nervous thing. It's not like a, oh, I felt like it was getting out of control thing. It literally <laughs> is just a stop. So I don't know. It's, it's something that I'm really hoping to see some results with <laughs> this weekend. But uh, one, one thing that happened this week um, that really made me nervous, and I, this I can't explain either. I, um, we at work are starting up a new testing division. We're actually hiring test pilots. I think you saw my ad. It's just for mm-hmm. some local kids, just some young guys. It's uh, not a career by any stretch, but I call, we called to make arrangements with the local flying field out there. It's like eight miles from where we work. And we wanted to be very upfront with them about what we were doing because we didn't want to just like nonchalantly just go try to join the club and then just, you know, show up with a van for six hours a day, five days a week. Right. Mm-hmm. So we called him and we talked to the club president and we told him what we were doing and he's like, oh shit, we don't, yeah, we don't care. You know, just be courteous. And if there's other people flying, allow them room to fly and time to fly and, you know, work around it. But then he goes... So, yeah, so go ahead and fill out the application, and then what you're going to need to do is everybody is going to have to come and do a proficiency test. And I just, my jaw about, I mean, I just, my, I mean, I felt my blood pressure go up. I'm like, what? <laughs> and so I'm like, so, okay, what, what is this, what does this proficiency test consist of? And he says, well, you got to take off. You have to do a figure eight. And you have to land all, you know, I mean, absolute basics. I mean, just like stuff I, I can do in my sleep, you know, 
And I literally for a day, and this, this was the main culprit for me firing up the sim and just totally like prove to yourself you can do this. You know, you can. And obviously it was, uh, you know, not a problem. So now that transition, I have to break through this barrier. I'm not nervous about it now. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm going to see good results tomorrow, but it was really weird when, when I was told that I have to do a proficiency test, how anxious I became. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's fair. So, you know, it is what it is. Wouldn't that suck? The guy who's supposed to be heading up the testing can't pass the fucking proficiency <laughs> test. <laughs> oh, shit. That would be bad. Uh, don't have yeah. to do it in a multi-rotor, which would be absolutely breezy easy. <laughs> but uh, I'm going to do it in a helicopter. So we'll see. Uh, let's see. Uh, didn't buy anything this week for helis. Uh, didn't really get much wrenching in during the week. Um, just looking forward to, oh, hey, yeah, something cool did happen. I got an email or a text from, pull out my phone here real quick. And I just want to take a second and thank David McDonald because, uh, I remember last week we were talking about mixing the oil and the fuel. Oh yeah. And I was making a big ado of nothing apparently. I don't know why I didn't even consider some of these options that people were posting on HeliFreak. Um, but it's, man, I was making it a lot harder than it needed to be. I mean, $5 Pyrex cup at Kmart, right? Mm-hmm. Measured out in ounces. Well, David heard that show and he offered to send me uh, one of those ratio right cups, right? Oh, nice. And I said, sure, yeah, you know, because that's actually what I was going to get. Because Carrie Shirley is like suggested, he's, this is what I use, you know, take it for what it's worth. So I send him a message. I said, well, you just, yeah, here's my address. Go ahead and, you know, tell me how much uh, PayPal you need and I'll go ahead and get that sent over. He says, he said, no. He said, uh, it, it's, uh, I'm just going to send it to you uh, because of, you know, what you guys do for the hobby. And, and, uh, Dude, thank you, David, for sending that out, and it should be in in a couple of days, so problem solved. And there were tons of good ideas on the listeners, but I don't know if you saw that thread on Heli Freak. Yeah. And it all, so, all like, <laughs> yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> this isn't that, okay, maybe this isn't as difficult as I was making it out to be. Okay, my bad. So, yeah, we'll get that sorted out, and... uh I did, uh, like I mentioned, I got, I showed up to get my oil changed in my truck and uh, they're like, oh yeah, we, we carry that stuff. It's right over there on the shelf. So nice. Yeah. Uh, apparently Amsoil Sabre is so nineties. <laughs> everybody, That's <laughs> what everybody used to use. Now they're all using Redline apparently. I don't know. We'll see. I think I'm going to go ahead and go with the Saber at uh, 40 to 1. That is the recommended oil mixture on uh, Toxic Al's uh, recommended oil and mixture, by the way. There you go. So if he says it works, I'm going to assume it works. So we're going to go with that. Nice. And um, I think that about wraps my week up. Indeed it does. How boring is that? Nah, I think that's good. (laughs) Loving the V-Control. 
Got to say it, I guess. Damn it. <laughs> Damn it. One day you're going to say it without the damn it at the end. <laughs> it, damn it. It's just convenient. Using it on the sim. Using it. It's, just, it's pretty cool yes, on the sim, huh? Yeah. That whole don't need a special cable yeah. sort of a thing. But it does yeah. It does help before you go calling people and asking, how did you get this thing to work with your computer if you make sure your cable's plugged in all the way? Got to push it in all the way. Yeah, you, you got to make sure cable is fully seated in the USB port or it will not work. So, yeah. Got that sorted out after a day and now it works. Nice. <laughs> that does wrap it up. Maybe we should do... Do we have any news? Yeah, we do. All right. Let's do it. With all the different retailers out there, it can be hard to decide where you want to spend your heli money. Ken over at Lower Heli helps make that decision a little easier for you, though. With amazing prices every day, great customer service, and fast shipping, you don't have to worry about bouncing around anymore. Go visit Ken at www.lowerheli.com and fill that shopping cart with the confidence that you're getting the best prices backed by amazing support. Head on over to www.lowerheli.com and fly lower. This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com. So the specs have been posted on YS's website of the YS96 SRX Turek motor. Uh, we've got the new bigger cylinder head design for more efficient cooling, steel line backplate to reduce friction on the connecting rod. Uh, pressurized fuel injection system for more consistent engine run and proven factory preset regulator system for ease of adjustment. Uh, weight comes in at 553 grams for the engine only. And they are, they have it up for $429.95. They also have got the pipe and the glow plugs there too. I think this will, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I might just give it a go. I mean, why not, right? Sure, what the hell? I don't know. I'm still having a hard time deciding. I, I've, you know, I got like long time love for the, for the YS, for the 91. But, you know, hey, why not, right? When it's flying, do you have to listen in HD? What? <laughs> Yeah. Is it going to make me, is it not going to fly if it'll bring eight transmitters to the field? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, yeah. Funny. No, am I going to have to have one for each transmitter? All right. Um, so uh, Chris Reiber put up the Oxy 3 Trek Edition unboxing of that little bad boy. If you're interested in getting one of those, check that out. Uh, SAB has also posted two videos. One for the uh, Goblin Black Thunder uh, over, overview that I'm. it's going to last all year, for the record. I'm going to stick with it all year. You're not going to get tired of it? No. Well, I will, but I'm still going to do it just because I am that way. 
Uh, no, they got a video that Kyle Stacy did kind of with an overview on all the features of the model. Uh, same thing for the Black Nitro as well. And they've also got probably what I think is uh, is really cool and helpful. They have a PDF brochure out uh, that they put out for this year. And it's kind of got all of the new stuff in it. it it's, you know, the, the 2016 edition, so to say. So they've got the information on the on the black nitro, you know, 650 millimeter blades. They show how it has the separate kind of engine module, which, by the way, if you haven't seen, check out Kyle's video and check this out, too, which is really cool. Uh, four bolts. You can easily remove uh, and install the entire engine assembly from the model, like the whole thing. Motor, pipe, clutch, everything comes out. You literally just disconnect the belt, wow. which, yeah, awesome. I really, 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 really like that. Um, so, yeah, if you want to check that out, um, check out this. They've got the, you know, they have the um, Black Thunder in there with all of its features. They're showing the the stretch kits as well. So they're calling them the 700 stretch kit. Part number CK703 comes with the boom belt and tail control rod for both models. Um, let's see. It goes through some of the other ones. You know, they talk about the optional landing gear that will be out, which I will probably be getting. Not a, a, I love the little flipper fin landing gear on my 500 SS. Uh, not, it's not going to work for me on a 3D model, though. We were talking about uh, sketchy autos. Yeah, I need all the help that I can get, right? <laughs> so it just goes over some of the other existing models. Um, you know, all of the KSC ones. They have the the Carbon Edition, uh, Urukai Competition. Um, they have that available in Carbon now. They're going to do it. They have a 570 Carbon Edition. Just all the jazz. All the wonderful stuff that they've got going on, all in one PDF. I think it's super cool. Um, so flip through that. Let's see uh, the core manual. You remember the core helicopter, Dan? <sighs> I wish Justin was here because I know that he would be like, oh, really? Well, what's interesting about this is the main shaft design. This is weird, like really weird. It, it's. It's like I, I kind of want to try and explain it, but I kind of don't. The damping system is actually part of the main shaft. Hmm. How about that? The head block is independent of the main shaft. So the dampers actually go in between the head block and a sleeve that bolts to the main shaft. Very unique. Teetering design kind of in the middle on the top. Um I've never seen anything like this. Definitely not in, in model helicopters. You actually bolt it all together with the feathering shaft and everything, and then the grips like slide on over it and pin in. Huh. Yeah, totally crazy. But it's cool. It's not in English, so you have to be cool with pictures. But if you're like me, I like pictures. Um, so, yeah, you can flip through what looks to be, yeah, all of the assemblies. The whole entire model is in here piece by piece. Check it out. Crazy. I, I mean, when it comes to thinking outside of the box, they did it. Uh, so I really commend them for, for going just totally unique on it. Not a big fan of the skids. I, I mean, 
but <laughs> I don't even know. I I don't even know how to explain the skids. I'm just not going to because. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like Dan. You know what they remind me of? You know, the first thing I thought of when I saw these skids, huh. they're like half of those like carbon the alias skids. Okay. Kind of like that. Yeah. You remember those that were really ugly? Like that, but then what was that 1980s and 90s singer the guy slash Boy George. Oh. It's like the alias kids were designed by Boy George. Oh. <laughs> what? You you made that sound like someone just sneezed on your breakfast. Ow. Really? Really? That whole frame lacks sexiness all the way around, dude. But those, I do not like carbon fiber skids, dude. That not, not those. I mean, I I'm looking at like the design of the rest of the heli, and I'm like, yeah, dude, totally killing it. And then you get to the skids, and it's just like, <laughs> I yeah, I guess. I mean, I I'm looking at the frame sides going. I think they they're different, right? They're different, and I'm not gonna say they're not quite my thing. But I feel like they could have been okay with a proper set of skids on the bottom. I mean, these are just weird. Like I don't even get it. I do like how that that top tray comes together, though. Yeah, it's nice, huh? Yep, they got a little ESC tray in the top and the front, right in front of the motor. Like, the the whole design of it's really cool. I dig it. It's just they, I feel like the skits were like, okay, we did the whole model. Now what do we do? I don't know. We have to have it done by 5 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh. There's There's no flow to them. There's no, it's just, it ain't right. Did you see how they did the tailcase? Uh, no, I went right over that. Whoa, look at the, uh, look at the rectangle-ish ovalness on the boom. Nice. Oh, yeah, so they got the tail rod in the boom with, uh, uh, gotcha. Very interesting. That's good. Hey, you know what? That heli's got to look pretty clean when it's together. Oh, yeah, buddy. Minus them skids, but. Minus the skids, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's like you put on like a, it's like you put on a $5,000 suit and then threw up on your shoes. <laughs> I don't like the head. I don't like it. I think it's cool. Just because it's, it's different. It's different, but it's too, it's too. Tin canny looking. It's too uh, bolty. It's not smooth. It doesn't flow. You know. Yeah, industrial. Yes, look. it's industrial. Maybe that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah, maybe that is a good thing. I'll be. I'll be curious. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it in person. All right, that's all I got for news, though. Interesting, because 
I don't have any news. Hmm. Actually, you know what? I do have news. I do. It's got nothing to do uh, with uh, manufacturers or batteries or anything fancy, but I do want to say this. Let me get another email. Uh, and it's definitely worth mentioning. Uh, typically, we don't mention fun flies that are happening. But this one's got a, a special twist to it uh, that I want to uh, mention while I'm talking about it. June 9th through the 12th, uh, Minnesota Pitch Fest put on by the Minnesota RC Heli Association. So those of you who are in that area may be aware that Slicer from Heli Freak is involved with that. Mm-hmm. You guys know Pete? Well, we mentioned last year that Pete was, had cancer, right? Pretty serious form of cancer. Mm -hmm. He had surgery last April. Apparently everything was eradicated and he is back to full health, showing no signs, no symptoms. And as far as his uh, cancer specialist is concerned, is cancer free at this point in his existence. So... Pete beat the odds. We we wished him well when we found out, and we're happy to report, you know, a year later that things are going well. So uh, the details of his fun fly, he did give me a link. Uh, I will put that up in the show notes. The details um, he gave me a link to, I'll put that in the show notes, but the dates are June 9th and 10th. And uh, as far as I remember, the pitch fets pitch. <laughs> <laughs> pitch fest has been happening for quite some time i remember rob boyd used to go to that so congratulations pete we're glad you're feeling better uh back at the hobby and uh doing your thing and uh for those of you in the area uh if you're not doing anything in those dates you should go check it out and tell pete hi <laughs> nice so that's that's the kind of news i bring to the show so <laughs> you win <laughs> This week's news is brought to you by Superiority.com for superior quality web and mobile development and design with a 100% money-back guarantee that's always on schedule and budget. Get the most from your website from www.superiority.com or www.dudemanlarry.com. Not kidding. Check him out. Do you wish there was a fly barless system that could make you throw down like a pro? Well, now there is. The Spartan Vortex Fly Barless System is offering some of the most advanced features seen on the market today, making sure that you'll be flying like a pro in no time. So what are you waiting for? Go and get your Vortex Fly Barless System today. Results may vary based on pitch, response time, age, head speed, brand of heli, time of the year, crash budget, number of friends cheering you on, size of helicopter, temperature, wind, servos, weight of heli, willingness to take risks. Contact your favorite hobby shop about getting your Spartan fly barless system today. For more information, check out www.bkdesignsllc.com. So we've all thought about it, right? I know I have, especially um, starting, I've talked about this before in the show when I was the club members at the club I fly at, would always ask me, what are you going to do, Dan? 
if, you know, cause I sit when I fly, what are you going to do? How are you going to get out of the way if that heli comes at you? Mm-hmm. And it really kind of messed with my head for quite some time. It really did. It was like, oh man, I hadn't even really thought about that. Thanks what a lot. What am I going to do? <laughs> Plankers. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I think all of us for, you know, at some point in our hobby, it's been in the back of our mind or we'd thought about it, probably ushered it right out because as you're about to find out, most of us kind of go through this, not, you know, kind of, hmm, it happens, I suppose, but it's not never going to happen to me, right? Um, we had talked about this a couple of years ago. Jack Brushbill was going to come to Urcha with us. Um, had an unfortunate accident. We just said that, that he, you know, something had happened and he couldn't make it. But uh, we're about to find out exactly what that was. Uh, Jack joined us tonight, and uh, we're going to go ahead and play that interview for you, and we will be right back. So, Nick, imagine, if you will, you're at the field, and you're flying. Uh, Luckily, you're not by yourself, but you're flying, and something terribly wrong happens. And the next thing you see or next thing that you experience is a helicopter coming right at you. Is that like not your first, your absolute worst fear? Uh, yes, absolutely. Especially the way I fly. (laughs) So (laughs) we've talked about this before and we've got a special guest on tonight who had that experience. Uh, Jack, and I'm going to butcher your name, but I'm pretty sure I'm, well, I'm 95% sure I'm going to get it right. It's Brushbill, right? Very. See, I knew it. I was sitting there going, is it? What is it? I knew it. Didn't butcher it. Good going. <laughs> Good. Yay, Dan. Yay. Got to take your wins where you can. Yeah, well, absolutely. We've only talked like five or six times. Only, yeah. Kind of figured out. So let's let's step back in time a little bit because this was a couple of years ago and it was uh, some, I, I don't know if we, I don't know how in depth we went when we did talk about it. I think because you were planning on coming to Urch with us. I was, and uh, we never went, you would never really went into it, just that something happened. That's right. That something happened. And I couldn't make the trip. So this was back in 2014, sometime in August, I'm assuming. <laughs> no, July 5th. Oh, it was the July 5th. Okay. So I will, yeah. I remember, um, I remember that day because I got a weird voicemail from your phone and it was a lady's voice who I had never talked to before. Yeah, my wife. Yes. And I was like, something, something's not right. Cause she didn't really go into a lot of detail. And then I eventually got a hold of her and she had told me what had happened. And I was like, Holy shit. Because that's, that's serious business. Right. When that kind of shit <laughs> goes down at the field. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So, I mean, just, yeah, walk us through that day. What what would happen? Well, just the year before, we lost Roman and uh, the gentleman in the Scandinavia. And, you know, what happened was I was out flying with my son. And my son-in-law, who doesn't fly, was just watching. And I had a 600 electric helicopter, and I was doing some backflips, which I felt were plenty far away from me. I'd flown closer to myself before, and all of a sudden, the elevator quit responding, and in my mind, I dumped cyclic and hit throttle hold, but uh, bam. 
Just that quick. When I looked at just that quick. I mean, quicker. You, you always think, oh, I can jump out of the way. I can do this. I can do that. And it was. Oh. And I looked looked down at my right arm and from the elbow to about my wrist looked like it had been blowed up with a rifle and I grabbed my hand and I wiggled my fingers and I said okay we are probably going to get through this because I had movement in all my hands but you know when you do that much damage there's blood everywhere and it's going everywhere and I got headed back into the clubhouse and my son come out with this eyes huge and says no you didn't and i said well i guess i did and he started controlling the bleeding and i heard him tell my son-in-law to you know he was already on the phone for the ambulance and i heard him say unplug that helicopter so in my mind i hit throttle hold but i never got to it uh. and so the helicopter was still screaming out there with a strip main gear uh. um, yeah um 600 electric at that you know, 2,200 RPM or whatever I was flying it at, <laughs> it goes through you. I think I got hit by the tip of the blades about uh, about six times. I got three three good slashes in my elbow and my forearm that opened everything all up, and two in my side. So I ended up in a hospital, an ambulance ride, code three. I used to do that as an EMT, so it was my first time on a stretcher. Hmm. Um, get into the ER and see white faces all over as they go, oh, we heard somebody got hit by a helicopter and you're still alive. <laughs> so everybody thought it was a yeah, real one yeah. to begin with. But <laughs> And, uh, you know, I ended up with a, a super orthopedic surgeon that, uh, you know, we went into surgery that night and he did everything he could to put it back together. And then we ended up on, that was a Saturday, ended up back in surgery on Monday and got out of the hospital after four days. and. Huh started recovery so now that we've heard what happened i want to talk a little bit about i've seen you fly and you're not a risk taker right i mean you yeah you fly a good fair distance away from yourself so it's not that's that's one thing that i've tried because uh man i gotta tell you i'm gonna throw one of my buddies under the bus uh fred who i fly with has this horrible habit of flowing with fred yeah yeah. (laughs) He's got a horrible habit of flying just close to himself, exceptionally close to himself. He's not doing anything, but he, you know, the point that I try to tell him is, look, I'm not, I'm not critiquing or criticizing your flying ability. What I'm telling you is if something goes wrong, you don't have time. You just don't have time. Yeah. No, you don't. And I, you know, in, in, in the autopsy of the helicopter, the only thing we could find broke other than blade links and a popped off ball link was the servo or the elevator ball link was snapped in half. And I've never broke one of those in a crash. And we'd relink that helicopter two weeks before that, but that was the one special ball link we didn't have. And now it looked okay. I can't say for sure that that's what happened, but you know, I, there's every possibility I made a mistake, but, as fast as it came, and it, I've never had a helicopter relax like that before. I'm pretty sure something broke. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, I watch people fly. You guys have saw Quinn fly. He went with you last year and yeah. to, to RCHN three. And uh, you know, I fly with him often. But he's he's an excellent pilot. But what he does scares the crap out of me. 
um, well, anymore, anybody that's doing a big hurricane or anything just makes me cringe. But I know they've got it, but there's always that possibility that something's going to let go and you don't know, do no longer have it anymore. And there's nothing you can do about it. And it happens that fast. Yeah. I just, uh, I mean, it ended well, you know, here, here we are two years later and, and everything's good to go, but you know, it doesn't always end well as we, as we well know. Nope. What I mean, do you find when you're at the field now, do you find do you, do you do you speak up? I mean, if you feel like somebody's doing something they shouldn't, do you find do you feel obligated to to speak up? I I find that hard to do cuz I don't fly with too many people. I fly with Ryan, which is my son. He and I fly almost every Saturday together and he he was through this, so he doesn't fly, take chances either. Quinn is an excellent pilot. Um, I've never told him that I think what he's doing is risk-taking because he only seems to have the helicopter just off enough that it's not coming directly at him. It's kind of going off to the side. So those are the only people I have flown with since this accident happened. So it's really hard for me to you know, tell anybody that I think what they're doing is unsafe. Yeah, that's... Um you know, it's, it's weird because there's some things that I just don't like to do uh, when it comes to that. And for no other reason than it just it makes me uncomfortable. Tail and hovering directly in front of me, like not necessarily close, but even but like staring down the the tail rotor. You know, it's like right. if, if a blade ejects, it's like I'm right in the line. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, that's kind of that's. Funny, right? When we were first starting, Ryan had a 450, and uh, he had the main blades off, but he spooled it up on his bench, and it ejected a tail rod or tail blade, and he couldn't find it for about a week, and then he found it over against the wall, embedded in another blade that was sitting on the shelf, and I mean, it just went right through <laughs> that main blade, Jeez. and so that kind of gives us an idea too, and you know, this was just a 450; it wasn't a 700. Yeah. That is that is nuts. So you were out of the hospital in four days, four to five days. Yeah. How long did it? Because um, uh, I know I went to see you. It wasn't you were still were you still bandaged up when you and I went out to dinner that one night? I can't remember. I was when you came up to look at the motorhome. Yeah, yeah. Yep, I still was all bandaged up. Um, I'm not. I'm trying to think if I had flown by then or not. It was about six weeks after the accident when I maybe only four weeks after the accident because I flew in August. I could look at my flight app and tell you, but so you, I can tell you actually okay, went and flew within a month or so of that crash or of that accident. I was still I I was still bandaged up when I flew the first time. Oh my gosh, you got to walk us through I, that. I just, well, I just I, this is a hobby I love, right, and. I have, <laughs> if you saw my fleet, you'd say, wow, this guy is invested way over his head. But <laughs> I have all this stuff, and I just couldn't, just because something, an accident happened, I couldn't just walk away from it and say, nope, I'm never doing it again. I can't do it. I had to find out for myself if mentally I could do it again. And, yeah, the first flight was just shaky, and I don't think I made it for the five minutes. I think I made about three minutes, and I had to land. And it was just basically hover-orientated and just keeping it away from me, just moving it around. 
and uh, it was it was tough. And then each each time I went on, it was better until if the helicopter came to me, even if I brought, I knew it was coming to me, it would still make me flinch. It would still make me go big breath and move it away. Huh. And after, and sometime in September, I was flying my Goblin 700, and I had it a long ways away from me. And I lost orientation a little bit. And I, You know, I'm flying an Icon. I could flip the switch, but I don't know exactly what happened. But I locked up, and that helicopter came down within 40 feet of me and just hit the pavement and just blew it to pieces. But that, you know, that was just the mental attitude that I locked up. I couldn't. It was coming at me, and I just got out of the way and just let it do what it was going to do. I couldn't recover it. Did you... Um so, uh, okay, getting back into the swing of flying, did you rely on the simulator yep. a lot, or did that help, do you think, calm nerves? Because I just can't imagine. Uh, uh, sim- simulator helps keep kept my muscles and knowing what to do, but it did not help at all. I mean, the sound of a 700 spooling up, it makes you take a deep breath when something like that's happened. And yeah, the 600, I rebuilt it, and I've flown it since then, but the majority of my helicopters are 700 and bigger and yeah the simulator i still fly all the time but i just don't get the feeling from the simulator that you do in real life and i can't get over the fear by flying a simulator because you're never going to get hurt in the simulator you're never going to cost you money or anything else that um tell me about your thought, I mean, what's going through your head that first time you're spooling up after that? I mean, cause I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm coming from my perspective and I've never had, I've had a close call, but with a 500, but nothing. I mean, it, when I say close, maybe 15 feet, which when I, when I was new felt pretty damn close. Right. Absolutely. What, um, what's going through your head? I mean, what, when you're first spooling that up, I mean, are, are there thoughts of no, I'm, I'm just, it's, I'm going to wait. Of course there are. There's thoughts that this is the stupidest thing I've ever done. You're sitting here with your arm, got 80-some stitches in it, and it's bandaged up, and it's stiff, and you're still trying to make your thumbs do what you want to do, and can you do it, and will this end horribly? And, yeah, it 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 was tough, and it, it was tough for six to eight months, and there's still times today after almost 20 months that, it still goes through my mind that, you know, is something bad going to happen again? Did I, did I really do something wrong and just flew it into myself? Huh. I, I don't know. And, you know, I just keep putting that out of my mind. I mean, I'm looking behind me right now and there's a brand new Synergy 766 sitting here that he's made in tomorrow. So <laughs> I, I just got to do it. No, I, I love flying. I, I'm not a, you know, I'll never be a smack pilot. I try to be smooth. I'll never, I try to learn my orientations, but, you know, inverted forward and backwards, I do it, but it still scares the heck out of me. So every time I spool it up anymore, you really think about sure. being safe. You know. So let's go to Keep. after that first flight. Uh, you get it landed. Now what are you thinking? Is it just a huge sigh of relief? Are you glad it's over? Because I'm guessing you just kind of made yourself do it. Did you really want to do it, or did you just make yourself do it? You know, I wanted to. It's a little of both. I mean, 
you if you're gonna do it, you gotta gotta do it sometime. Um, just before I got hurt, I had just got a used Synergy E7, and Ryan, bless his heart, had put it all together and it was ready to fly, and I needed to do that. Yeah, um, yeah the feelings when you're done is your hands are shaking <laughs> and your arms are shaking, your knees are shaking, and you know the adrenaline is off the off the charts, and you got to sit down for a few minutes and. The next flight was a little bit easier, and the next one was a little bit easier, and then you'll have a bad one where it comes in a little close to you, and it's just all back there again, and your heart's pounding, your hands are shaking, and you, your mind's going, why the hell are you doing this? Yeah. Does that— But then when you have a great, great flight, that's why you do it. Is it is it a setback when something—or was it, I guess, because you're, you're, you're well past it at this point, but was it a setback when— Maybe you had this, your feeling, that gut feeling, like it's just too close. It's just too close. Does that, did that set you back in your progression? Kind of a reprogression? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Hmm. Huge. I mean, you just, you just don't take the risks anymore. You just don't. I, I never felt I was a risk taker as far as flying close to me, but you just won't do things with a helicopter that you can do on a simulator, but you just it's just really hard to do in real life anymore. Yeah, make your hands do it. <laughs> yeah, the brain and the hands just don't talk together well at times. Oh man, I can't I can't even imagine what it's like to try to recover from that because, you know, the past few shows I've been talking about just recovering from a long absence of flying and I right. and I'm struggling with that. And that's nothing compared to uh, you know, a collision with a <laughs> yeah. helicopter. You know, it, it is and it isn't. I mean, we all go through our own struggles and what it takes. And, you know, you you had a bad year last year, and we all know that. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I Like I said, I love the hobby, and I was going to do everything in my power to make it so that I can enjoy it. And if, if for some reason those first couple flights wouldn't have worked, I'd have waited a little while. But uh, I wasn't ready to give it up, and I'm still not, so. Yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So, it's twenty months past now, right? Yep. How, yes, sir. How is your? What, I mean, what is your outlook? I mean, I we know that you're still flying and you're, you're still loving it, but how, to this day, how is it still affecting? Is it affecting your progression? <sighs> yeah, it does. Um, you know, if I'm trying a hurricane, it's probably four hundred feet away from me. <laughs> Um, anything that's, you know, other people consider, oh, this is just run of the mill do, I probably do it not three, three mistakes away. I'll do it five or six mistakes away. And sometimes it takes the joy out of it because the helicopter's so far away from me when I'm trying to do something that sometimes it's a little hard to see. So that, that aspect for me is the fact that I sometimes fly too far away from myself is, is a negative of what happened to me. Sure. So uh, your son Ryan was there. How has this affected him? Do you think? I mean, from a <laughs> safety standpoint, obviously, from a concern for your father's standpoint, that's huge. But from a safety standpoint in the helicopter hobby, how is it? How has that affected him? Um, greatly. I mean, he's he's very safety conscious. He's the best helicopter mechanic I've ever met, and uh, of course, that's. 
I'm pretty biased uh, there, I can, but um, I can attest to it. He's worked. On, he's he's worked on my stuff. I know that. So yeah. Anyhow, um, he he's it's it put his progression back probably six months from where he's been, and it's just been in the last six months that I see Ryan actually pushing the helicopter a little bit more, and he's he's above and beyond where. Uh, you know, when, 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 when this accident happened, I felt that I was probably a little bit better flyer than him, and he is so far behind, beyond me now. But, um, of course, he's 21 years younger than I am, too. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> that helps. But, you know, he's very safety conscious, and, you know, I fly at a trap club. Uh, I've been a member there for years and years, and we got permission to use it when it's never, when they're not shooting. And so we have a clubhouse, and then there's asphalt r- driveway in front of the clubhouse, and then the trap lines. And we used to just walk out the door, set the helicopter on the asphalt, and take off, you know, probably 12, 13 feet away from you. Well, now we set the helicopter out 14 yards away from us at the first first shooting station on a trap line and we walk back to the asphalt which is you know like i said 14 yards away and that's where we take off and we land that far away from ourselves and that's just you know ryan just says hey dad you do it any different i'm calling you out and i want you to call me out on it if if we get flying closer to ourselves yeah and we do you know what uh but yeah so you guys i know you're you're tentatively planning some events this this summer some of the regional events uh at least Dieters. i think you and i talked about that a little bit the other day we did we'd, we'd love to get to Dieters. um i'd love to get to rchn this year i mean we only made it to two was the first time we were there and then the accident happened right after that so you've been I, I, going to these fun flies you you i mean we see sketchy shit all the time right i mean it's just part of the you know, you choose, I choose personally to kind of stay away from it. I'll watch it from afar, but and right. it, we all have that the ability to choose that. But is that do you, how how do you see yourself reacting to that? Is that when you see some young kid or even some old guy that's maybe taking some mess, unnecessary risk, or do you will you feel ob- I, I just can't. I I imagine yeah, myself I, feeling I, obligated to say something and just like here's the proof. Look at my arm. Yeah, I, I don't know that I would ever be that way. I mean, we all make choices in our life and our hobbies, and you know that's part of why I decided to do this interview for you is so people know that it can happen, and you know, you, hopefully you'll live through it and you'll learn from it. But I can't preach to everybody that what I say is right just because it happened to me doesn't mean it's going to happen to you, but it can. It can happen, and that's uh, the key. It can happen. That's that's you know, the key. And, Anybody that wants to talk to me about it, I'd be happy to talk to about it. But would I go to the flight line and 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 tell some some new young man that's doing everything he can that I think he's wrong? Probably not. If I see something that, or he asked me for some help, sure, I'd be happy to to let him know what can and can't happen. But I don't think I'd be. A, I don't think I. It'd be really hard for me to to walk up and tell somebody that. Just not going to do it, huh? I, I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I just don't know if I'd be able to keep my mouth shut, but I just don't know. But well, I see know, both sides too. Yeah, I do. I mean, I you don't want to be like that guy, right? You don't want to be that. 
Like, but yeah, I don't want to be the guy that every time you come to a fun flight, they go, "Oh, he's here he's again." Here, the yeah. preacher's here. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, I think what you ought to do is, uh, and we you shared with me some photos, and we're not going to post <laughs> those photos. Maybe some of the one of the after photos, kind of after everything's kind of healed up. But maybe you yeah, ought to, maybe you ought to carry a couple of those photos in your wallet. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the, you know, I don't mind if you show the two, uh, the one, the one with all the stitches shown was the day after surgery, the last surgery. And the, the last one that I just sent to you was like six weeks after. Yeah. I mean, it's, but, I mean, I don't even know if I could carry those in my wallet where I might have to see them all the time. Yeah. I, those pictures you sent out, we are, I mean, they just, they're too graphic to post first of all and and uh, well, i wanted you to know what we were talking yes. about i and mean you're, it's uh you're you're a, me- you're a medical professional so i figured you could handle yeah. it and it's it was uh i'm not <laughs> yeah i heard you wouldn't look at it <laughs> send, send them to justin on his vacation and say hey no. right around six o'clock <laughs> yeah we wouldn't do that so yeah looking at those pictures um it it uh boy it, uh it it really looked like you your arm got caught in a well, grinder i mean it was that bad well, yeah well and we always hear guys say oh i'm i'm flying i fly samurai swords or ginsu knives or lawnmowers but you know that basically is what happened the end of the blades just are at that speed are just razors that just open up the human body yeah. and it definitely did do that it's uh Definitely food for thought. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Nick, what do you think? Are you, do you think you're seeing people taking unnecessary risks at Funfly sometimes? Do you think that's a, is that an issue even? Uh, you know, the, I guess the term unnecessary, unnecessary. Yeah. You know, by whose dev, by whose definition? Right. That's the tough part. Do I think that people take risks that put others in danger? Uh, not regularly. No, I don't. And I think that's to me personally, you know, I, I grew up, I'm a little bit biased. I, (laughs) I grew up skydiving. I grew up riding motorcycles. I grew up pretty much pushing the limits all the time. And I'm a really big advocate of respecting someone's rights to push as hard as they would like to push, as long as it doesn't fall and potentially injure someone else. Right. You know, so if you want to fly, you know, five feet in front of your face, that's your deal. Make sure it's out far enough, you know, so that it's not potentially going to hurt someone else. That's kind of where I stand on it. What I do I see people that I would love to see fly a little bit farther out? Yeah, absolutely. And have I seen those people had some close calls that almost injured others? Yes, absolutely. Yes. Um, that's easier said than done at a fun fly, though, because it's not like, you know, you have a flight line. You, you can't just say, hey, if you want to fly, you know, five feet in front of your face, you're going to have to go step out 20 feet farther. Well, now that person's at risk from everyone else. So that doesn't work. I, I think that there is a time and a place for pushing the envelope if you want to. I don't believe that fun flies are that place. I think that everyone should generally fly a little bit smarter and a little bit more conservative. But, you know, you you will pay to play. 
I mean, if that's that's one thing that I've learned, it is that. I every time that I've pushed it, eventually it caught back up to me, and I think that that's kind of a case here. Something is going to happen. Bad safety practices. It might take a, a you know a long time. Look at like what happened to James Dan. There's a great example. You know, it took a long time. He was he'd been flying for a long time, but he finally got bit. But well, and Chad the Chad Carlin last year, you know, got hit at a major fun fly, and you know, he, we all know that, and it, he recovered nicely, and he's a great guy, and it it happens. Yeah. Um, and we want to avoid that from happening. And the mentality I see, and I haven't been to a lot of fun flies, but it's it's almost, it's not with the beer, but it's, hey, watch this. And sometimes it's, we push ourselves a little harder than we would in practice just because, well, we're vain and we want to impress. Oh, heck yeah. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm right there. I get it. I'm not. <laughs> but the one yeah. the big difference and, I, and I'm not disagreeing with anything you just said, Nick. But the one, the one thing, and, and this is where Jack's example, I think, really plays into this this particular scenario is there's a difference between taking a risk with your skills and not taking a risk with your skills, but your equipment. And that's not to say that you necessarily are doing anything wrong with your equipment. But shit breaks. Oh yeah. So you know that how that play all plays in, in my opinion, is the distances that we keep. Uh, you know, who's to say what the right distance is? Because when those machines are moving at top speed, all the distance, you know, a huge amount of distance means very little, right? Because it's traveling so fast. But mm-hmm. I th- I think that's kind of what the driving force or kind of what I'm thinking is, is at a fun fly, that's the one thing you can control, right? You can't control a guy wanting to do pyro flips off the deck and something going wrong. But mm-hmm. what you can control is maintaining a safe distance. Uh, you know, the pilot from the machine, right? Yeah. And maybe the crowd line back just a little farther than you normally would. Yeah, so I Yeah, man, so it's you tough. I mean, <laughs> you know, okay, let's let's play devil's advocate here and and you know, let's talk about a guy with his he goes to the the track on the weekends with his motorcycle. You know, so now we're we're taking corners at 80 90 miles an hour, laying over. You got a knee, you know, you got a knee laying down on the ground. Is it is it our play? That is probably equally, if not maybe more. I mean, who's to say? Just as risky, but oh, he's he's doing it. He's putting himself at risk. Now, what he did to minimize everyone else's risk, he's doing it out on a track. He's not doing it out on the street. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But that's that's kind of like in my mind, that's his right to do that. If you want to push it right on the edge of life. That's that's your place to do it. I'm not a big fan of it at Fun Flies because of it. It increases the potential risk for someone else getting hurt. Yes. You know what I mean? I, I mean, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. If you want to go stand in the middle of a field and, th- you know, do pyro pogos above your head, I'm going to call you an idiot. <laughs> but 
I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, uh, I'll, I'll call the ambulance, but I'm not going to be surprised and don't expect me to feel <laughs> bad for you. So let me pose this question to you. So under these circumstances, if you're flying with someone you know is new, I mean, this is your chance to shape a habit, right? Cause, oh, absolutely. Because when you're flying at a fun fly, typically the people who are flying at the fun fly are not necessarily new. If they are, they're exceptionally courageous because a lot of new guys just, just really struggle <laughs> to fly at fun flies, right? unfortunately. Yeah, or, they, or they're like Ryan and I, we were the far end of the flight flying, so <laughs> yeah. nobody had to watch us. And so, I mean, this knowledge, I think, you know, Jack's experience, I think, should and could speak more to guys that are just stepping into the hobby. You know, I I actually have a kind of a relatable, nothing happened, but a very relatable experience. When I first started, my club put me in the very corner of my field when I was learning how to hover. That being said, I got very familiar with hovering that JR-50 fairly close to myself because I only had a tiny little corner. When I first was able to pass their litmus test and be allowed onto the main field, I remember one of the first flights I had, I was out there hovering at what was a very familiar distance to me because of the corner experience. I noticed (laughs) I had two plankers standing next to me. And as soon as I took off, they both took a few steps back. And then back and then back. And then so I landed. In fact, I noticed that one of the guys who is actually a really good friend of mine now had taken his chair uh, from the ground and set it up inside of his trailer. (laughs) 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 And see, and I, I felt, I was like, I was like, what? I don't, what? Because this is what I was used to, right? This was a habit that I'd learned right from the get go. And that was your comfort level. It felt normal to me to have the helicopter hovering 20 feet from me. Right. And, um, when I went back to talk to Larry, he's like, oh man, you're doing really good. He said, but I have one request. I, could you, could you possibly fly a little further out into the field? And I didn't even, it didn't even occur to me. I'm like, well, Mm -hmm. sure I could. Yeah, sure. So then I started, then I kind of became that guy at the field that would, well, it was only me and Fred, but every time he would would go (laughs) put the helicopter, he would literally take two steps. It was a 500, take two steps, put the helicopter down, take two steps back. And take off. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I tried and I tried and I tried and he just, I, I never, we never really had a, I guess a come to Jesus moment about it, but we did have a few conversations and I just got the impression that he was thinking that I am critiquing his ability. And Yeah. It's, it's not, right. it's not that at all. There's just, you minimize the room. I, you minimize your room for error down to nothing. Yes. And to think that you're not going to ever make a small error is just, it's idiotic. I, I mean, how many, I am, all right, all right, I will confess on this. I do pretty decent flying in front of myself as far as safety goes. I do like to bring a hurricane by every now and then and, you know, puckers my butt up. It's fun. <laughs> but um, autos, I am horrible. At some point, I... It's like at some point for me, my brain said, hey, these are fun, but you know what? You can do them much better if you can see them really good. Because I think I like, I think I tipped over two in a row landing side in 
like 30 feet out in front of me. And I was like, brought him in, all nice and good, did my flare. And I was like, uh, just stuck that. <laughs> and I set it down and it tipped over because it was a little tilted and I couldn't tell. And I was furious about it. I was like, this is stupid. I can't, you know, if it's perfectly in this orientation and I hear I see all the pros landing side in, right? This is what I need to do. I just tipped two over in a row and I thought they were perfect. Screw it. I'm going to do it 10 feet in front of me. Then I'll never make that mistake again. (laughs) Well, there's been more than a few times where I myself and anyone else that was standing next to me took a step back. Uh, coming in on my autos, <laughs> Dan. I've never made Dan jump. Uh, <laughs> Justin, yeah. Oh, I've <laughs> I've sent Justin running before, but uh, yeah, it's just that again. I know that definitely falls under that unnecessary risk. Yeah. Well, and just think about when we were out there doing a maneuver, and you know these. Overly power, they're not overly, we love the power, big helicopters, and you dumb thumb it in. I mean, it almost happens so fast. You go, what? You know, and it happens that fast if something breaks, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just don't have the time. I mean, I used to love to just hover a 700 about 10 feet away from me and just watch all that mechanical working and going, this is really cool. But <laughs> that was before. I, uh, I appreciate it from afar now. I have a similar auto story, and I'm going to kind of blame this one on Nick because of basically what he just told me. When I was first learning to do autos, uh, intentional autos, right? Because I had a few unintentionals. But <laughs> I remember we had a conversation, uh, that very conversation that Nick just had. And basically, he was making, I don't know if he was making funny, but we were talking about the extreme distances I'd have to go. To go get the helicopter, right? It's all, all yep. the way on the other side of the field in an auto. Mm-hmm. And Nick was like, come on, man. You got to bring that thing in right over your shoulder. <laughs> you know, he looked right up. If you, It's got to feel like it's coming down on your shoulder. Well, I was getting kind of cocky because I was doing that and bringing them in, landing them 15 or so feet in front of me. And, of course, I sit down when I fly. So I, I really have <laughs> not... I guess if I can duck behind the wheel of uh, old blue, maybe I'm all right. But I had one coming in and um, it was getting closer, getting closer. And I was kind of misjudging it. And all of a sudden it was almost, man, it felt like it was right on top of me. And um, basically I had to kill all the head speed about six feet off the ground and it kind of fell from like two feet. Mm -hmm. But it was four feet to my left when it rested. (laughs) Four four feet to my left and maybe three feet in front of me. You're right. It was right on top of you. Yeah, not that far, Dan. I didn't mean that far. <laughs> now, it is true that when you're learning, you know, when you're learning autos, if when you first start learning, it feels like it's pointed right at you and it's going to come straight at you and then it ends way up out in the field. So that that's what I was kind of trying to teach, but <laughs> I might have been a little overzealous well, with actually, my comments. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, and, and kidding mostly, but because I was actually – getting, I don't know. I was in the, at that point where autos were just the coolest thing in the world. And it was all I was doing for, you know, several They still weeks. are, Dan. But I mean, dude, this is, I mean, and I was like, just like doing stuff that I shouldn't try and been doing, but I, you know, I was pulling them off and they were getting closer and they were landing right in front of me and everything was perfect. And I, and I was like a little bit closer, a little bit closer. And, uh, definitely 
could have ended poorly. He didn't. Uh, I got to go through that whole process again because uh, autos are foreign to me now. But it's just you just never know. And I think I think that's the big. That's just the one thing that you always got to keep in the back of your mind. Absolutely. If we can get anybody to take anything out of this, it's just it can happen. And if you can t- put that little bit of extra cushion, not saying anybody has to fly any less aggressive, just maybe move it out five, ten feet from you know that hurricane right over your head to out there a little bit. I don't know that it'll make a huge difference, but no, I think it can. It makes you think about it. Well, that splits that same split second that you can get into trouble is if you can if you can add a split second to your ability to maybe get out of trouble. Absolutely. Like, I believe that can make a difference. So I don't know, Jack, if you kept a first aid kit in your truck uh, when you go flying <laughs> before, but I'm guessing maybe now you do. You know, uh, we were at the at the trap club and we had a first aid kit there. And when we broke it out, it had some four by fours and some band-aids. And now there is a trauma pack in there, <laughs> a combat trauma pack, just in case. And, uh, you know, because you know, it's not just for us. I mean, it's a shotgun club. Accidents could happen. It never has. But yeah. it, it definitely makes us think. I mean, I was a trained EMT and I have lots of first aid kits up in my attic and trauma boxes but they weren't with me that day no you know and it's here's another little thing that maybe we should do a little more i mean everybody maybe because i actually but i keep a first a fairly good first aid kit in my trailer but nick i bet you didn't know that no nope. yeah, where where is exactly. it exactly so that's something to yeah. think about too maybe maybe i should put a something on the on the trailer, yeah, like the commercial trucks, yeah. you know, fire extinguisher here, first aid kit here. Yeah, because what good does it do if no one can find it? <laughs> yeah, if you're unconscious, we're going to rip that trailer apart, or you know, <laughs> he's a nurse. Probably won't even look for it. He's we're a just... nurse. There's got to be a first aid kit in there somewhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so that's you know, yeah, yeah, that's that's crazy. Well, Jack, I'm really really happy that it turned out as well as it did. Uh, I am too. <laughs> it sucks that you had to go through it. But, um, yeah, it sucks that I miss going to Urchie with you guys. I know you said you'd never do that road trip again because it was the motor home from hell, but I feel left out on that one because yeah. I was primed to go on that one with you. You know, I think going into that, we had kind of pretty much thought that, oh, yeah, this is a new routine for us, right? I mean, even I think even <laughs> when we were there for a while, yeah, but yeah, we can do this again, by huh? the time. We, you know, we were wrapping up and that drive home, it just, I think we all were feeling it. It's like, so when the discussion came to do it again, I think it wasn't a very long one, you know? (laughs) No, 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 I don't blame you. I just, we found our limit. I was, you know, when you asked me to do that, I was just, holy smokes. Why would they ask me? I mean, I'm. Because we needed barely into this hobby two years. I know you needed a body. We needed needed a sucker. I mean, we needed Montana. (laughs) <laughs> but uh you know yeah that 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 was probably harder for me than being hurt yeah. was the fact that he didn't get to go and get to listen to the I, little mini episodes yeah well, i listened to every one of them over and over i'm trying to discipline. no it was good i gotta discipline my cat for a second <laughs> just remember every smack is 20 bucks <laughs> It'd be so broke. 
<laughs> Anybody want a cat? Jack, you want a cat? Uh, no, I got one. That's enough. I got two, actually. One's out tight. I got enough cats. Don't need another one. Nick? Nope. nope. Does your dog want Definitely a cat not. to play with? <laughs> Probably does. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I just I get I get the impression Nick isn't a cat person. No, not so much. He's not a cat. Person. Not so much. That's uh, that's a definite there. <laughs> Anything else you want to say about it, Jack? No, just if the, you know, I just hope whoever's listening to this can think about. Well, you always think it's not going to happen to me. It's you know somebody else might have a problem, but I've got this. Well, in a mechanical, you don't have it. And even if you make a mistake and get it too close to you, you don't have it. So try to give yourself that little bit of margin of error, whether it's a couple yards or 10 yards. Um, And when this happened to me, I felt I was a good 15 yards away, 45 feet away from me. And it was here faster than I could do anything. You know what? So just think. One thing you you mentioned to me uh, when we were talking when uh, we were uh, texting back and forth tonight that was uh, that that's kind of struck me was when we were talking about those photos and and you said well go ahead and post them if you want but you expressed a concern that you know you you do not want to chase or scare anybody away from trying this hobby. I do not. I do not want anybody who's you know flying an. Uh, nano brushless to go oh that happened to somebody I'm never going on because there's just too much enjoyment out there the first time you lift I remember the first time I lift lifted off a 450 after flying a nano and an MCPX that was the hugest biggest thing that I just it just totally amazed me and then when you fly a 600 and then you fly a 700 and then you fly an 800 the adrenaline rush, like Nick was talking about motorcycles and skydiving. I mean, we we don't do this because we want to take a nap. We do it because we love it, and it's a thrill. And I just want people to think about it, that it, <laughs> they are dangerous. Yes. But if you've got it, if you've got the skill and you've got the mechanical knowledge, and if you don't, ask for help. Yes. Yeah. There's, that's a big there's one you, too. There, there, there's Freak, There's Run Rider. There's you guys. I mean, you've always made yourselves available. Ask, Ugh. and you will be given help. That's fantastic, Jack. I want to thank you for coming on and sharing your story with us. Absolutely. I think uh, I think there's a lesson to be learned there uh, from all aspects of it, and just some food for thought. You know, which yes. is uh, more important than probably anything. <laughs> Alrighty, man. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, getting some flying in with you this summer. Um, weather's well, starting to uh, pick up. So. Yeah, Ryan and I and Quinn are talking about coming down and flying with you. Yeah, we should definitely do that. I will be at the field tomorrow. I'm oh, can't we wait. <laughs> yep, I will be at mine tomorrow too. It's supposed to be a beautiful day here. Uh, good luck with that synergy. Let us know how you like it. Hmm. Yeah, well, I've watched Ryan's fly. He's had his built for about two weeks more than I have because I got life involved with mine and I, I'm putting mine straight to an 806 and 
I think I'm going to love it. I'm trying the new Hobby Wing 160 on 14S. So. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> yeah. All righty, man. Well, you have a good one, and we'll talk to you soon, all right? All right, Dan. Thanks you and Nick and uh, Jesse for slacking and Justin for off playing with his family. So. Cool. You guys take care. With electric helicopters and high-capacity 6S lipos being so popular, the need for a high-power and reliable charging setup is ever-increasing. Luckily, this is what the guys over at Progressive RC specialize in. Whether you want to buy all the parts and build a charging setup yourself, or you want to have them build it for you, Progressive RC is the right shop for the job. They carry everything from chargers, power supplies, and of course, all the accessories you need to make a pretty awesome charging setup. Check them out now at ProgressiveRC.com. That was Jack and his experience. Oy. <sighs> That's um, food for thought. It's tough to say because as you, you know, you brought up some good points, Nick, in that as, as long as you're not endangering other people, it's, it's really kind of your risk that you are taking as a pilot. Right. Yeah, it's a, it's, you know, it's a fine line though. I mean, there's, <laughs> it's your right, but with that right, yeah, you have to, I think you have to be able to, you know, really understand the responsibility that comes along with it. You know, are there other people there that at, at your field that look up to you? You know, are there are people that are trying to follow in your footsteps you know, could you potentially negatively influence exactly. someone? Exactly. Yes. And and not, you know, have them miss that point. And I think if you're going to do something like that, you you have to have the cojones to turn around and sit down and be like, "Hey, here's the deal. Sin could freaking kill me. And I know that I push. Yes. And I don't want you to push. You know, I would prefer that you did it. But if you do. You better make sure that when you step up, you understand the potential consequences. You know, there, there's just there's responsibility that can that can go along with it that you might not be aware of. So that's an absolutely good point. And you know, I I did briefly bring it up in the interview, but I I want to hit on it one more time, and that is, you know, we're not we're not talking necessarily about you know, somebody just, just beating the shit out of their helicopter five feet in front of their face. I mean, Jack is a, he's an older guy, very conservative, um, t- skilled. I mean, he can fly, he handles mm-hmm. the machine. Um, but you know, this, and, and, and the way he said it, it just, it just happened that quick. I mean, he didn't even, he, and he mentioned how he, he, in his mind, he hit throttle hold and he did everything in his thought processes to bring the machine down before it got to him. But he just didn't. None of that happened. Yeah. It happened that fast. And I think the I think the takeaway um, is those of us who have been flying, we maybe need to reassess that that risk. And I'm I'm not saying change what you do, but just think about that. But I think more importantly, it's it's the newer guys that are getting into it. You know, if you see a newer guy that's uh, maybe doing something that could potentially develop into a bad habit, you know, nicely speak up. You don't have to be a dick about it, right? Yeah. 
Just, yeah, because you don't want to be that guy no. too. You, you know, you don't want to be that guy that shows up where it's like, oh, here's uh, Captain Boring Pants is now at the field and lets everyone, you know, Captain Reyes. Oh, <laughs> oh, that one's sorry, dude. You had that one coming, Reyes. Just kidding. You're a good guy. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, you don't want to be that guy, but you know, there's ways you can approach that where you don't have to be that guy and you can still enlighten or inform, you know, help break habits that are forming. It's the best and quickest time to do it, you know? Um, so, you know, take away from it what you will. We were just happy that, that Jack is uh, doing well now and, and believe you me, and we're not going to post the pictures. We did talk about it a little bit. They are incredible. I mean, the destruction, it's, uh, phenomenal you know it's it's amazing how how fragile human flesh is when it comes to you know going up stand on a chicken dance with a helicopter you know you will lose like, that fight like bada yeah, it just unbelievable and you know uh we will i will if you're interested or i don't know if we'll post them but we do have photos of the heel i mean you can see the stitches you can see the scars and you, you could tell, you can look at those scars and say, wow, something really horrible happened there, you know? So just, just think about it, consider it and, uh, be safe out there. Have fun, but be safe. Yeah. And Jack, I know you were nervous. You did a great job. Thanks for coming on and, uh, look forward to hanging out with you this summer. And on that note, guys, uh, I think Nick and I are going to wrap this one up. Um, if you have a question, you know, we've been answering a lot of those and they're actually really fun to do and we enjoy doing them. Yeah. I've got a couple banked up, but I want to wait till all the guys are here because it's really good to hear everyone's perspective on it. Yeah. Send those to questions at rcalienation.com and don't be shy. Go ahead and record it. It'll, it'll be all right. <laughs> just, just do it. If, if you just don't, if you just can't or don't want to, uh, just send those in and uh, the guys will take a look at them and, and we'll put them in where we can. Uh, stuff like that. It's they're just they're fun to kind of to peruse over and think about. Nick, if I wanted to get in touch with you, how would I do that? Uh, you would send me an email to nick at rchellynation dot com or catch me on Facebook at Nick Lynn RCHN. If you wanted to get an email to Justin, you'd do that at Justin at rchellynation dot com. He's on Facebook as well. Pretty easy to find. Uh, Jesse at rchellynation dot com and Jesse's on Facebook as well. I uh, want to say a big thanks to Heli Freak again. We haven't done that in a while. Of course, the listener's corner there. Uh, it's it's uh, just a lot of activity there. It's uh, I'm a little guilty of it, too. I've been going to it more frequently over the last few weeks, and there's just a lot of good conversation happening over there. Oh, man, I wish. Uh, I feel bad for not being able to go over there more. It, it's 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 actually at that point now where it's gotten so big that it's kind of like it's daunting for me to get through it all, but, um, just, you know, know that I'm not ignoring you guys on purpose or anything. It's just kind of tough, but it's man. Awesome it to see, uh, awesome to see everyone interacting and, and still, you know, going strong. Yeah. And what I like about it is, um, now you, it's getting to that point. It's getting large enough that you can actually kind of go through and just read about the stuff that interests you. Right. Cause there's just mm -hmm. so many topics. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, feel free to to uh, post your own topic there or, or whatever. It's uh, 
just get a conversation going. It's a lot of fun to kind of read through that stuff. Also, Facebook continually it continues to grow. Um, thanks for your support there. Uh, I should mention the store. We do have a few shirts and some hats and stuff available. If you have a question about whether it's a store or your citizen registration, Ken at rcalienation.com is the is the guy to get a hold of. And we haven't said it in a while. I know he knows it, but Ken, thank you for all the work you put in there. It's it's a huge help to us. And uh, yeah, it is. Even if you don't want anything, just send him an email and say, "Hey, dude, thanks for the help." You know, what I mean, it's it, it's uh, it's encouraging for him. And um, we 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 just uh, appreciate your help tenfold. And I do think, guys, that about wraps that one up. Episode two hundred twenty-six. Two hundred twenty-six, Nick. Long time. <laughs> That's a lot of episodes. Me love it long time. All right, guys. We sure hope you enjoyed listening to this one as much as we've enjoyed making it. Have a good week. And we'll see you next Monday. Hopefully we have a few more guys. Yeah. Later. This has been a production of RC Heli Nation LLC and is brought to you by Soko Heli Tools. Progressive RC. Rev Electrics USA. Lower Heli, BK Servos, Spartan Flybarless Systems, and Superiority. If you have any comments, questions, or suggestions, please feel free to send us an email.